Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Sorry, that was a bit of a jagged start. Probably didn't know if I was going to come in there or not. Um, I am just <laughs> mediating, mediating a dispute uh, between my two dogs right now who are fighting over an antler. Uh, anybody that doesn't have pets but has kids tell you that having a having pets is not like having kids doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about because I uh, had to break up a, another dispute just a moment ago between uh, one of my dogs and my cats because uh, one of my cats is sleeping in the dog's bed and the dog is having a fit. Uh, now that same little puppy is biting my other dog's tail trying to get this antler away from him and I'm going to have to break it up. Hang on. Hey, stop that. Um, so yeah, a bit of a uh, bit of conflict resolution going on at the quiet part lab studios this morning. Um, but yeah, like I said, <coughs> there's been so much going on this week. Um, whether you want to talk politics, whether you want to talk, uh, music, whether you want to talk entertainment, whether you want to talk, uh, art, whether you want to talk, uh, civil rights, whether you want to talk, you know, the list goes on and on. You want to talk about foreign trade and currency wars and, you know, it's all, all happening. Uh, but there's a few things that I definitely wanted to talk about, uh, today. First thing is just recapping the event, uh, at the UFC that went this weekend between Connor and Khabib. And obviously if you listen to our preview show, you could tell how excited I was about that. And I gave you my picks on what I thought the results of the main card would be. Uh, we had, I was very close actually. Um, but almost embedding means nothing. So, uh, don't listen to me. I, you know, a lot of times I vote with my heart and I make picks with my heart instead of my head and maybe sometimes don't break them down analytically enough. But in terms of my picks for this one, I really thought that, I really thought that, that, that the outcomes would have been as, uh, as I, as I thought, but they weren't, uh, Michelle Waterston had a great performance. Uh, Felice Herrick couldn't really do anything about her striking. Uh, it was a pretty lopsided performance in that one. The, uh, the Reyes fight, uh, and OSP, I picked that fight. Reyes, uh, looked like an absolute world beater in that he, he performed fantastically, uh, who else? Oh yeah, uh, Black Beast, Derek Lewis, and um, Alexander Volkov. I, you know, again, I thought Volkov was going to win the fight, and for all intents and purposes, he was until the last thirty seconds. But that's the problem with Derek Lewis, um, who caught him with a with a stiff jab and a and a bomb of a right hand that just uh, that just flattened him out. So unfortunate result on that one. Uh, but that's, as I said, catapulted the winner to a title shot, and that's exactly what's happened. So now you've got Derek Lewis versus Daniel Cormier for a heavyweight title on, uh, when is it, December 3rd or something like that? I can't remember the exact date, but as I said, you know, that's going to probably propel the winner if they have a, you know, a decisive performance, and that was a hell of a comeback victory for Derek Lewis, uh, that that would probably catapult them to a title shot, which it has. Um, so it's a shame for Volkov, but I think he'll bounce back. You know, there's some lessons to be learned there. And the untangible power of a guy like Derek Lewis came into play when he most needed it. And, you know, and that's one of the, that's one of the benefits of having that gift. 
but Alexander Volkov, I think, probably could have done a bit more to finish Derek Lewis and be a bit more aggressive. He was very patient, which is smart when you've got a guy that's got such power. But ultimately, you know, it ended in uh, in a pretty disastrous way for Volkov. But, you know, congratulations to Derek Lewis. He's hilarious. His post-fight uh, interview with Rogan was hilarious. His post-fight press conference interview was hilarious. I mean, he's just a personality. And, you know, they've already cut the promo from one of the older press conferences where uh, Daniel Cormier and Derek Lewis were talking about why they had beef. And it was because... Uh, Derek Lewis didn't get a good recommend or Daniel Cormier didn't like one of Derek Lewis's chicken shop recommendations or some shit like that. Um, so it's all quite fun, but that should be a hell of a fight. We'll see how that goes down. Um, and then we had the war of potentially the year uh, between Anthony Pettis and Tony Ferguson. Pettis had to uh, stop his towel, his corner through in the towel uh, because of a broken right hand, uh, which he suffered, I think, in the second round. <clears throat> but up until the fight ended, it was it was it was a bloodbath. It was it was a crazy war. Tony Ferguson looked great coming off of uh, you know a very very quick turnaround for his knee surgery and rehab, and he looked great. And he had a, a you know a, a killer demeanor about him the whole week leading up to the fight. And you know he wants a title. He wants a title back. So he's gonna obviously be championing for that Khabib fight. Uh, but he looked great. He looked great. So if the knee holds up and he, you know, he keeps healthy, I think he presents a ton of problems for Khabib. Now, you know, that takes us swiftly, uh, you know, and honorable mention to Anthony Pettis, you know, he looked a bit invigorated, but ultimately he was looking outclassed as the fight went on. Uh, but he still gave a hell of a fucking run and it was a good old fight. So, um, but yeah, segueing into the main event, you know, if you've, if you've been under a rock for the past four or five days, then you wouldn't have heard anything about this. But if you've lived on planet Earth and you're a functioning, air-breathing human, you probably would have heard something about this. Um, both the fight and the aftermath of the fight, uh, which was a bit of a stain on the performance, I have to be honest, you know, as I'm sure everybody kind of agrees. But there's no doubt about it that Conor McGregor got his fucking head beaten. He got owned by a more accomplished, more dominant grappler. Nobody can say that Khabib is better than Connor on the feet. And I've heard some of these arguments and it's just stupid because Khabib hit um, Connor with, you know, a, a looping overhand right in the third round or whatever it was for us uh, was second round or something like that. Connor is Khabib is not better than Connor on the, on the feet. Okay. It's not, um, He's just not. It's a ridiculous proposition, and anybody that says that doesn't understand mixed martial arts. Okay, so the reason he hit Connor with that overhand right was for two reasons. One, Connor was exhausted already, um, but two, he was worried about the takedown at that point, and that causes a fighter to drop their hands, have a slower reaction time to you know punches that are coming, and if you're distracted and so focused because your opponent is so dominant in one area of of uh, of combat than the others and so much more dominant in that area than you yourself are, you will have to compensate with your movement timing, uh, you know, counter striking, you know, hand position, foot, everything is compromised. And, you know, after Connor had spent a round and a half on the ground, you know, in the grips of Khabib, which is a different thing altogether, 
he understood that he had to be aware of that takedown and had to keep it on the feet. So he was left wide open. He still, you know, he was moving and there's a bit of slippage there as well, but he got caught and that shit happens. You know, I know he, he said, and his team have said how pissed off he is that he got knocked down by a strike. And I get it, but I understand why it happened. And I'm sure so does he. Um, but for anybody out there that's saying, oh, Khabib even outstruck him. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. It was a it was a stylistic nightmare that Khabib was able to impose and Connor was not able to defend against. That's what it was. Um, <clears throat> some points of 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 attention, I think, from from watching the fight is I thought Connor should have broken away and not given in eventually to the takedown or tried to engage in the takedown defense like he did in the center of the ring in the very first exchange that they had. It was it was a great showing, and he showed some really, really strong takedown defense against you know an absolute savage and the best of all time for in, in a lot of people's mind uh, in terms of UFC grappling. I think he should have used that ability to defend the takedown to break away because while he still had the energy, he still would have been reactive. He would have still had a lot of, you know, his fast twitch muscle reaction and 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 all of that, which is the key to his striking. It needs to be quick, it needs to be early, and it needs to be decisive. And I think by him engaging in that wrestling and that grappling with Khabib in the center of the ring straight away, which he ended up losing, of course, was the beginning of the end. And I knew it. As, as soon as I saw it, I, I I knew it. I was like, okay, he hasn't broken away. He needs to step back from that, get out, use his explosives to get out of that position, which he most certainly could have, but he had a different strategy. He had a different strategy and it didn't work. And it was a really, really, really impressive fight by Khabib. And, you know, it's just his style of fighting. He doesn't make for exciting fights. He makes for dominant performances where he nullifies and neutralizes all of his opponent's weapons and just grounds you into a pulp. And that's what he did. And that's what he did. Now, moving on from the fight, we've got a whole different, you know, scenario. And, you know, even myself, I was a bit quick and hasty when, you know, on the initial kind of reaction of when that happened. I was like, Khabib needs to be stripped uh, of his title and this ban needs to be imposed and so on and so forth. And I was really enraged because I'm a big Connor fan, right? No, no doubt about it. No hiding it. Um, it's, it's not that. I, I don't want Khabib to be stripped. I don't think he will be stripped. My, my issue with it is the rest of his team and the fact that it basically marred a pretty decent event and a great victory by Khabib with thug behavior and just gang shit, you know, which is very unlike Khabib because he's a very grounded guy. He's very big on his discipline and his respect and, you know, all of that, which was his major problem with Connor during, you know, the buildup to this fight. So for this outburst against Dylan Dennis and the rest of Connor's team and then the rest of Khabib's team to come in and, you know, basically try to jump Connor the way they did. Um, and then the aftermath of that is just a bit, it's a bit ridiculous and it's a stain on the sport. Now, Connor was, you know, hitting Khabib's teammate as well. And, you know, depending on the footage, look at it however you want, who hit who first. But at the end of the day, the very first thing that happened was that Khabib jumped the cage and fucking tried to, tried to drop kick Dylan Dennis, which started the whole thing. 
you know, so it's just a bit of a shit thing. They're withholding his purse, which is $2 million, you know, which I'm sure he wants, you know, and probably needs. Um, Connor got paid, so no problem there. He gets his $50 million. Um, it's just a shame. But I don't want Khabib stripped. I want the rest of his team, especially the cunt that, like, sucker-punched Connor from behind, gone. Because apparently that fucking asshole was supposed to fight uh, Lobov, Artem Lobov, uh, like, in a month or something. But, like, he's done. He hit His fucking career's over. You know, he'll end up somewhere else, like Ryzen or some shit like that. But he won't be fighting in the UFC anymore. He fucking slapped their golden, their golden egg, man, their golden goose. He's got no chance, but Connor didn't press charges, and you know Connor came out after, and you know said good, good knock. I want a rematch. We'll see. The fight itself wasn't even close. Connor has a lot to do in order to make that that gap up, and has to make some fundamental changes if he's going to stand any chance against Khabib. Because if Khabib can impose his wrestling and grappling successfully and do it the way he did in that fight every single fight happens exactly the same way because that's just who Khabib is and he's just so next level with his grappling that there's a fucking reason he's 27 and 0 and I know I said on the preview show that you know his level of competition wasn't like Connor's was well that's very true but there's also an element there of the fact that he just makes everybody look normal and he did that to Connor. He said, oh, rogue. oh, you're a great striker. Oh, great story. I'm going to fucking throw this overhand right, take you down, wear you out, and just submit you. I'm going to choke you out. You know, it's just a different level when you're that kind of grappler. <clears throat> and that's why the fundamental, you know, base and the probably the best base in all of, all of fighting is wrestling and grappling. And if you can have combat Sambo from Dagestan as your foundation, you're in a pretty good starting place. And we see this with the roster of Dagestani fighters and Russian fighters. You know, they're, um, they're kind of like different human beings. It's, it's really fucked up, but you know, Khabib's 27 and 0, he landed back in Dagestan. He was received by a football stadium full of people. You know, he's a hero over there. He's the first Russian title holder in the UFC. You know, he's now arguably the greatest lightweight of all time. I don't think there's much of an argument, to be honest. You know, now I think it's where does he rest pound for pound. Right now, he's got to be damn near top of the heap, if not at the top of the heap. And then we start entering into the GOAT conversation, right? And where does he sit on that list? So much to be spoken about. We're still waiting for everything to unfold. Hey, social media, you can fucking leave it now. It's been four days. I don't need any more recaps of this stuff in, and I'm talking the fight or the aftermath in my Instagram feed, in my discovery feed or any fucking place else. It's over. Let them deal with the particulars now and let's move past it because you know, it's over and it happened and it was a bad look for the sport. And, you know, it, it puts us in that, it puts us in that position where people still get to look at it and say, oh, it's a thug sport. You know, it's, uh, that's not fucking fighting. That's thuggery or whatever, you know? And I just, I hate that when you give these fucking idiots a way out an easy, an easy out like that to say, see, they could have fucked somebody in the crowd up. It's like, relax. Like, everybody that was around them was pretty much a fighter, you know. 
<clears throat> but there is a PR issue there, you know, in terms of protecting the crowd and making sure that collateral damage doesn't spill out over into the viewing public who have paid, you know, good money to, to sit there. You know, you don't see that in boxing. You don't see that in basketball unless you go back to the Detroit Pistons. But that was a fan throwing a beer at a basketball player and I would have fucked that guy up too. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, just things to consider. But overall, it was an amazing performance by Khabib. I was hoping that Connor was going to win. Uh, but as always, it's, it, you know, as I always said, it was a matter of uh, two stories. Could Connor impose a striking and or could Con- um, could he, um, you know, could he defend the takedown? And then on the other side of that, could Khabib get a hold of him? And if he did, that's it. Lights out, night, night, you know, fucking fights over. And that was effectively it. And, and it went the Khabib way. And I think there'd have to be some massive changes, as I said, if it was going to go any other way than that. So, you know, that's that's recapping sort of 229. Uh, good overall event, but, you know, uh, a bit of a sad note to end it on, you know, in terms of how it fell apart like that. But we'll see what happens. So what else is going on this week? Well, lots is going on this week. Lots has been going on this week. And it's not really you know, if there's anything to talk about, it's what else can we talk about without giving you guys a two, three, you know, four hour show and how deep do we want to get on this shit? So I think I might give you some just fluffy shit because there's been enough of that. And, you know, one of the things that makes me laugh is, um, is rappers these days, right? Like forget all the mumble rap, forget the, you know, the little pumps and the fucking Takeshi whatevers and, you know, this, that, and I don't even, those guys are not even on my fucking radar, okay? Like, I know they exist, obviously, because they're everywhere. If you follow World Star Hip Hop, that's basically their feed. Um, they're not even in the realm of, of what I consider hip hop and rap to be. They're a disgrace to the art form. Um, and they have no business getting rich or even pretending to get rich. You know, apparently Takeshi 69 flies coach. And it's like, all you do is talk about money, bitches, and how angry you are. It's like, relax, little man. Like, fucking take it easy. Looks like a girl, as uh, Chris D'Elia says so funnily. <coughs> that's a beautiful woman. Or that's a beautiful girl. I hope she settles down someday. It's so stupid. Um, but it is funny because they're they're a joke. Like, rainbow bright hair and, like, fucking face tats is all. Like, get out of here, you soft fuck. Um, but speaking of soft fucks, it's, it's so funny to me. Because, like, so Kanye's, like, attached himself to Donald Trump, right? And he's trolling everybody, right? I think. He's, he's clearly mentally fucked up and off his meds. But more so than that, I feel like he's trolling people. Like, he wears a Colin Kaepernick jersey or sweater with a MAGA hat on Saturday Night Live and just, like, fucking hijacks the show for some political rantings. It's ridiculous, man. Um, you know, he's changed his name to Ye now. It's just Y-E. Uh, what? It's just Ye now. It's not even Kanye. Like, he's going down the Diddy route, right? Like, doing all this stupid shit. And it's just like, mate, you're not the second coming. You're a guy that's dating a girl or that's married to a girl who got famous from having sex on tape, has more plastic and injections in her than... <laughs> I don't know what, um, you make boring ass music. Now you used to be good. You used to stand for something and now you're just unhinged and 
think everybody deserves and everybody should be required to listen to you and no matter what forum you speak and not not taking into account what the context and the and and the and the content that is coming out of your mouth the quality of that content or more accurately the lack thereof he's not cool like changing your name that's not edgy man like changing your name to yay from kanye to yay from Yeezy to Yay, like that's, you're not edgy, man. Like that's not fucking edgy. Like I get it, you influence a whole bunch of youth culture, but um, more and more I'm just like, yeah, but is that influence or is that just, you know, is that a combination of just like exposure versus revenue equals influence like I, I just don't know I'm not, I'm not convinced and this name change shit is definitely not edgy it's a bit weak actually like man cool is a fucking guy I saw the other day riding down the road in a three-piece suit riding a skateboard with a fucking pair of sunglasses on smoking a joint not giving a fuck about anybody in the world just doing his thing getting from a to b looking slick as fuck and he was cruising and he was just loving life. No, it didn't seem, it seemed so effortless. I'm just like, that's, that's, you know, that guy doesn't give a fuck. And that's truly, I guess, what cool is, right? It's just not caring. It's doing you no matter what. Not being influenced from outside influences and, and, and being pulled this way and that way. He was just doing his thing, man. I don't know. I just saw the guy fucking rolling down the street. I said, that's a cool motherfucker right there. <clears throat> I see Kanye doing a video with whoever the fuck he did the video with where he's got like Lego costumes on where he's like that square body. Like that's not edgy to me. It's not creative. I'm a sick fuck. I like a quick fuck. That's not creative to me. Like it's not creative to me. I'm a sick fuck. I like a sick fuck. A quick fuck. What? Okay, good. Now what? Like where do we go from there? Like come on, man. Let's fucking try harder, you know? Like I'm a sick fuck. I like a quick fuck. What? Okay, good for you, you fucking weirdo. Like, you know, it's just uh, very strange. And then you got Snoop on the other on the other side of things, and he's the most hypocritical, two-faced piece of shit that I've seen in ages. And you got to think, right? Like, I grew up on Snoop. When I was younger, I grew up on Snoop. Doggy Style came out. I was right in it, man. I was that was defining my identity back then. You know. And we were all in with Snoop and the dog father and, 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 and stuff like this and the old Snoop and, you know, the chronic and, you know, when he appeared with Dre and did all that. And that was fantastic. And when he worked with Pac, did all that and, you know, everything like that. <coughs> but it just seems like over the last five, six, seven years, he's gotten this thing about him where he's quick to play the bourgeois kind of like integrated, sensible, charity driven guy like real good guy, peace loving guy. And then he'll come out on his Instagram and just do a tirade against somebody who has no business doing a tirade against, right? Like he did it against Connor after he fought Khabib. He um he came out and was calling uh calling Connor the N-word and like all that stuff and it was just disgusting. You know, and then he he'll call you know, his most recent one was where he called Kanye and Uncle Tom for supporting Donald Trump and all of that. And he said, you know, he changed MAGA into uh, make your music, make music great again, like make your music great again. Um, 
he's just a punk. Like, he's a fucking 150 pounds soaking wet, right? He's six foot fucking whatever. Skinny as you like. Anemic motherfucker. His rap is so garbage nowadays. He's just completely irrelevant. I don't know what other projects he's doing. And I know he does this football thing I saw on Netflix long, a little while ago. But I'm just like, you do all this stuff. But then you've got the nerve and the audacity to come out and, and talk shit about people who could absolutely murder you. If given the opportunity, like watch your fucking mouth, you know, like, and then being calling someone an uncle Tom and then completely doing a 180 on it saying, nah, you're cool. You're cool. You know, um, it's all good. You're not an uncle Tom, like support, like, fuck you, man. You did a song against Donald Trump. And now this rapper Kanye is doing this and supporting Trump and, you know, coming out like that. And you criticize him and then just turn around and, you know, completely drop all of your standards of, of consistency, like you've got any in the first fucking place. And you're like, nah, it's all good. Don't worry about it. You're you're all good with me, man. It's like, fuck you, man. Like, stick to your guns. If you feel a certain way, stick to your fucking guns. And if you don't, don't say a fucking word anyways. And watch your goddamn mouth around people who could knock you the fuck out. Because that's a lot of people. And if you didn't have the money to have protection around you... You might be a little less likely to run your mouth about people like that. Like you sit on this high throne protected by your fucking millions of dollars or whatever. But that just gives you the right to be an ignorant piece of shit on an open forum when you expect other people and you praise other people for doing other. It's just garbage, man. Snoop's a punk. Snoop's a punk. And looking like an old ass gangster is not a good look. And he just needs to fucking quit it because it's sad. Snoop Dogg. Fuck off, man. Granddad. So that shit bothers me, man, because now you got Taylor Swift jumping into politics and like supporting some Democratic nominee uh, for the Senate race in, in Tennessee or something like that. And it's like, oh, my God, Taylor Swift is no longer apolitical. She's chosen a side and it's Democrats. And of course, it's like Republican Taylor Swift fans are now burning her CDs and completely, you know, kicking off about it. But yet there's this huge rise in 18 to 29 year old voter registrations. It's like, is Taylor Swift going to change the political? It's like, fuck off, dude. Fuck off. Okay. If she wants to use her influence to get into politics or to just have a political voice, fine. Fine. But acting like there's some moral standard there that celebrities hold just because they have a platform is hilarious. Like, what, you're going to follow Taylor Swift into the polls? You're going to follow Kanye West into the polls? The fuck are you talking about? These guys don't know anything. Kanye's a self-admitted non-reader. What the fuck does he know? Taylor Swift makes lyrics as complicated as, um, what, what was the song? Um... Nah, 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 nah. What the? I don't even know the fucking words to that song. But you can tell by the meh, 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 meh. It's not that good. <coughs> and it's not that creative. Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. There you go. Perfect for me, right? When I'm saying this right now. Fuck that. You know? I mean, why? You're, you're taking political guidance from this? From, from an artist that makes music? Just because she makes music doesn't mean she knows politics. And I'm not saying, like, <coughs> don't look at the candidate she's supporting. Absolutely, you need to do that. And if it raises awareness, 
fuck's sakes. If it raises awareness, then great, right? And I'm all for that. I'm just saying causation and correlation, right? Like it's it's not it's not necessarily attached. But that said, we are running a popular a popularity contest. So the more popular people that get involved, the more likely you would deduce that it is that you could influence an election based on your fan base and your power of influence and your sphere of uh, of, of community, as it were. So we'll see what happens. I just think it's really, really funny that, you know, celebrities dictate policy, or not even policy, but potential voter implications. This is the news of the day, you know? But we've got the midterm elections coming up in America in the next couple of weeks. And it's going to be super interesting because now that Kavanaugh has been confirmed and the Supreme Court of America is wholeheartedly and decidedly conservative and will be pushing further to the right in the coming years is a real worrisome thing for for uh, for the State of the Union. And the next ones that are I mean, if you're going to you know, if you're looking at a chart and say who's next to go on Supreme Court, the next two people in line are both liberals. So, you know. We need to put Ruth Bader Ginsburg in a fucking bubble, you know, until after the midterms. Because basically, if the Republicans win the midterms and Democrats don't take over the House, it's going to be a long few years, folks. I'm telling you right now. And I'm not saying that the Democrats are any better because this left and right bullshit is the problem. This this partisanship is exactly the problem. But it's exactly the reason why I thought this guy, Kavanaugh, shouldn't have been confirmed. It wasn't even the the sexual assault, although terrible in terms of his character and credibility, that a woman would come out and make accusations and allegations like this, which I don't think were taken seriously for a minute. Uh, The scope of the investigation with the FBI looked shambolic, uh, was very short. They didn't interview a whole bunch of people. But nevertheless, it's not actually that for me that fully disqualifies him although that clearly had me right to the you know to the edge of the cliff and and, and basically saying no way to this guy but i figured well we got to hear her talk we got to hear him talk and it was precisely that that disqualified me uh disqualified him for me was his behavior when he was testifying he was unhinged he was volatile he was partisan he was calling out the other side he was being uh disrespectful to the senate uh, judiciary committee uh, members on the democratic side he was being very very ignorant and very very aggressive and boisterous and just a bit unhinged in terms of his response and his ability to control himself. He didn't seem like he had that under wraps. And now it's like, well, do you have somebody who's got a a vendetta? Do you have a vindictive Supreme Court judge now sitting on there? Because if you look at Clarence Thomas, this is the last time it happened, right? When Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill went down. If you look at the results of that, Clarence Thomas was already a conservative judge. But since then... He's gone all the way. He is now the Supreme Court's most conservative judge. He's not interested in having his mind changed. He's not interested in stating his opinion. He votes the most conservative way that he can. And I wonder if that's kind of what has been set up now for uh, for for Kavanaugh, because it could quite easily be that. It could quite easily be that. 
but he'll keep his head down for a little bit, but then, you know, off we go. We just got to hope that two things happen. One, Trump gets out of office, and two, uh, he's out before any more Supreme Court nominees or Supreme Court justices die. You've got the fucking Handmaid's Tale in the making if, if any more of these guys die. I, I swear to God, man, it's this is the fall of the experiment for me. This is this is real bad stuff. Um, I don't like the way the court's going. I, I think, you know, nobody knows about him until they need to know about him. And, I, you know, you know, you've got the question of legitimacy and how it's looked at and how it's adhered to and the decisions that it makes handed down, you know, if they're even going to be followed. You know, there's a lot in this because of this Brett Kavanaugh confirmation. Um but worst of all, of course, worst of all is Trump coming out now with his the audacity to say these are all made up allegations. This is disgusting. This is all fake news, you know, completely discrediting these women. And again, just being the most ignorant asshole that he could possibly be. You know, it's uh, he never, ever ceases to amaze us. And again, I'll say it again, guys. Everybody wants to lean on this 4.2% growth in the U.S. economy. It is not a result of him. There may be a boost happening because of him, but look at the agricultural sector of America right now. The farmers are getting battered, absolutely battered. And with the China war tar uh, tariff war that's currently going on, there's a real underpinning here that nobody's actually really talking about. And that's how, how much China holds in U.S. Treasury bonds. It's well over a trillion dollars. One of the outcomes is that China, it's basically, this is called the nuclear option. And it's basically a situation that is almost as unlikely as nuclear war. Because of the potential ramifications and fallout if it was implemented. So China holds over a trillion dollars of U.S. bonds. If they decide to dump them on the open market as basically worthless, that will tank the American economy. Tank it. And I'm not going to go into all the economics and the specifics of it right now because it'll be even longer of a podcast than, than I plan on doing today. But let's just say that there are a number of different outcomes. But China <coughs> exports everything. They don't import things like in the same way as America does. Like it's a completely inverse relationship, right? China exports a ton more than they import to America than they take in from America. And so they've basically taxed all the shit that they bring in anyway. So it's just like, that's all more expensive now. Um, so with the U.S. imposing their tax, it's now more expensive for um, Chinese built products, made products in America and more uh, more expensive for people to import those products. So they're, you know, again, with the impetus of trying to push them towards buying American made. Okay. Try that with the iPhone. See how that works. You know, um, it's not going to happen. That's where commerce will take over um, and just say, fuck all this. But he's already having to pump money into the agricultural sector. That's not going to get any better. We're in a real predicament here, and I don't want to bring the tone of the whole podcast down, but it's a real problem that nobody's talking about, and that is the underpinning of the amount of U.S. Treasury bonds that uh, that China holds, because China can do what it wants. It can take a hit now, right? It can absolutely take a hit now, because China is an 
it's effectively an autocracy, right? It's run by one guy. They can play the long game. America can't. And why can't America? Because America has four-year term limits. So if a political guy want, if a political president, you know, a political president, what else is going to be? If a president wants to continue his political future and and remain in office, he has to win elections, and he has to win elections by by keeping his base very very strong. This is no, this is no, uh, this is present nowhere more than with Donald Trump, right? He has his base that locked in with him, right? White America, middle America, that kind of shit. You know what I'm talking about. You know who the Trump supporters are, right? You know people who are the diehard Trump supporters, right? He has to be loyal to them. If he loses them, he's fucked because he doesn't have the luxury of the African-American or the Hispanic or the overwhelming female vote. He can't rest on those things. He has to vote. He has to rest on his core base and we know who they are, right? That's country America, right? So, if agriculture gets hit, as it is, because that's what they're targeting specifically, because that's what they import, right? Soybeans, things like that. Corn, that's what they import from America, right? Lots of that shit. That's going to that's gonna bankrupt the agricultural industry. Now, if they sell off their bonds as well, there's a reason it's called a nuclear option. So... There's some things that people aren't talking about, and this is why I've said a few times now, amongst other reasons, why we're looking at another recession coming down the pipe. And I heard an economist say this morning that it won't be as bad because the banks are better prepared than they were in 2008. And I think that person who said that should lose their fucking job because they're not better prepared. They've done nothing to safeguard themselves or us against another crash, nothing. Do you know of anything? I'll ask you guys. What has your bank done to you to protect you from losing your savings if they collapse? I'll wait. Exactly. Nothing. So tell me one thing that's been implemented that you know of that makes this uh, a safer situation than 2008 was. Because I don't know of any. And the evidence put forward by this guy (coughs) on the BBC this morning was effectively, well, no, the banks are more prepared for it. Meaning what? They've just hoarded more cash so they'll be able to survive? They don't actually hold our money. They trade our money, right? Like You know how banks work and the Federal Reserve works and all that, right? I hope so. Um, so I didn't buy that for, for even a second. So I think more people need to talk about the underpinning debt that America has to China. Because that's going to be a big thing. A big thing if this continues to escalate. And like I said to you, China can play the long-term goal. They can play the long-term game. America can't. And with the turmoil that's already in America, you know, I only see an escalation of this as economic times become more, more tough. Because again, I'll ask anybody in America, are you better off now that Trump's in, in power? Have you f- actually felt it in your pockets? Because if I remember correctly, the tax breaks for most of the Americans... Uh, under Donald Trump's new plan benefits something like, I think, $200 a year or something like that? Almost nothing. You can't even see it. But you tell me if I'm wrong. You tell me if there's more jobs out there. And you tell me if you feel safer and more secure economically, you know, in all facets of life. 
I'm guessing I already know the answer, but I don't want to be a, I don't want to be, you know, presumptuous or anything like that. So I just think there's more questions that need to be asked. And I think with everything that's going on, it just seems like they're in a whirlwind that's got no end to stopping because, you know, right around the corner in the next couple of hours, you're going to get um, the Hurricane Michael and that's going to hit Florida and beat the shit out of the, um, the, the southeast coast and all the way up the eastern seaboard of America over the next couple of days, unless the thing dissipates. But for all intents and purposes, it seems like it's getting stronger. Like it's a cat four now, 130 miles an hour. It's going to rip the shit out of Florida when it hits it in a couple of hours, right? We know this. We've seen it. It happens all the time. There's no, there's no proactivity here from America in terms of protecting their borders from the sea, right? They always want to talk about protecting their borders from Mexicans and shit and from Al-Qaeda and from Muslims and shit like that. But nothing about, not about the fucking tidal waves that are coming down, you know? Nothing about the storm front that is aggressively moving in. You know, they say, ah, oh, 2.4 million people need to be evacuated. Some are mandatory, some are, uh, some are uh, voluntary. Okay, cool. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. You know, these motherfuckers want to worry about everything else. You know, they don't want to take some European or Dutch engineering in, in, in to consideration. <coughs> Build some proper dikes and proper barriers and proper, you know, um, Gulf islands and off-sea islands and things like that that can negate these problems. Well, you know, sorry to say, but fuck them. You know, you can't, you, you can't make them drink. You know, you can only lead. Hey, hey, what's going on over there? Relax. Fucking little psycho. Dog weighs a pound and a half. He thinks he's a Rottweiler. But uh, yeah. America's in big trouble, man. Fuck, I'm not going there. I just got my visa and I got no interest in going there. My wife wants to do a road trip there in a couple of years, do the Route 66 joint. We'll see. We'll see. There's definitely going to have to be some changes or I'm going to I'm fucking renting an armored car, drive across that country. Um, right, what else is going on? Where are we at? Nah, we're not doing too bad, actually. Um, what else have we got? Poof. Let's have a look. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. We're going to move to the UK, right? Fuck America for a bit, you know? The most interesting shit that's happened this week has actually been in the UK. And the first thing was the clear marketing ploy of the Banksy poster that was sold to Sotheby's that shredded itself because there was no inspection done on the frame beforehand. There was no mechanics. Like, come on, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. But this $1 million, this 1 million pound Banksy's now, you know, gone up in value because of the prank and the and the joke around it. You know, it was kind of cool to see it, but I'm just like, wow, people in the art game are really fucking morons, eh? It's like the fashion industry. It's like, oh, well, this is different. It's gotta be worth more. It's like, eh, it's a ripped up painting. You know, it was cool when it was all in one piece, like paintings are supposed to be. What are you going to have? You're going to have a fucking picture frame with half a photo or half a painting in it and the other half shredded? Uh, what? You fucking loser? Like, who would hang that? You know, pretentious people with more money than sense. It's stupid. Fucking stupid. So, um, yeah, that was, you know, that made news for two fucking days. Um... But a couple of serious points that have happened over the over the course of the last week in the UK. One, a bakery 
that refused to make a cake um, for a uh, gay rights activist in Ireland. Uh, basically, this guy came in. He's like, I want a cake made. Like, okay, cool. 36 quid. Cool. All right, I'll send you the design in. Cool. It's... Uh, it's uh, advocating for gay rights legislation or some gay rights campaign uh, group or something like that. Baker's like, we don't want anything to do with this. This is not how we feel. We don't support this. Uh, we don't want to make the cake. Cool. Susan. Bakery seems like uh, bakery. One of the one of the courts in Ireland say there is discrimination, uh, hints of discrimination here. Second court says there's hints of discrimination here. UK Supreme Court says and there's no discrimination here. This was not against the person. This was a, a right of choice uh, from a small business owner. <clears throat> so what do you guys think about this? Do you think that the baker should have to bake the cake because that's a paying customer? And as a paying customer, you should put on the cake what I want on the cake? Or does the baker have the right to confirm the transaction, say, yeah, I'll bake you a cake, but refuse the right and refund the money and refuse to make the cake if they don't agree with what's on the cake. My wife and I differ on this. She thinks it's discrimination. She thinks it's disgusting that the baker was able to get away with that. I don't think that. I think this is a matter of I think this is a matter of your right to choose. Your right to make a, a, a business decision as a business owner. Now, if he would have refused to serve the man because he was gay, then I would have a massive, massive problem with it. But he didn't. He refused to say, I'm not going to bake a cake and put the message that you've asked me to put on the cake on it. You're more than welcome to buy any of the cakes that we have here, but I'm not going to make this custom cake because it doesn't align with my own personal views and it would actually be going against my views. Now, the couple are clearly religious, Christian. He was thanking God after the court um, verdict was handed down. But I, I don't care, right? <clears throat> you do what you want. If you run a business, you do what you want. If you want to turn people away, because you don't want to write anything that supports gay marriage or equal rights for, you know, gay and lesbian folks, transgender folks. If you don't want to make products that have that on it, that's your right as a business owner. If you don't serve gay, lesbian, or transgender people in general, you should be shut the fuck down for discrimination. But if a gay person comes in or whatever transgender person comes in and say, I want, I want this cake and I want it to have this flag or this organization on it. And this is what the, you know, whatever. And I look it up and I'm like, oh, it's a fucking, you know, if I'm the baker and it's like, oh, it's a white supremacy group. No, fuck you guys. I'm not making that with a swath sticker on it. You can suck my dick. Get the fuck out of here and go somewhere else. That's my right as a business owner, right? As a business owner. I should probably leave my politics and my religion at the door for the sake of business growth and appealing to, you know, the widest audience possible and not letting my own personal beliefs, you know, cloud the judgment of my business intentions. But if they do, that's my right. I can say I'm not going to make any dog cakes. 
I'm not going to make any red velvet cake. I don't fucking make them. You want meringue? Go down the road. Right? I'm not going to put Mr. T on a cake because I don't want to. Because I don't want to. I don't like that show. I don't want to. I don't like Mr. T. I think he's an asshole. I'm not going to do it. Right? I'm allergic to dogs. I'm not going to put a dog on a cake. I don't like dogs. Whatever. Right? None of what I just said is, is my own personal opinion. I really like Mr. T. <laughs> and I'm definitely not allergic to dogs. Um, but I think it's the I think it's the business owner's right to choose what product they make. But I don't think they have the right to choose who they get to serve. Except if that person's obviously belligerent, violent, threatening, etc., etc., etc. But, you know, if I'm if I walk in there hand in hand with my boyfriend, I expect to be served the cake. Now, if I want a picture of my boyfriend's cock on the cake, the baker has a right to refuse that. Right? Do do can we can we understand the delineation, the, the difference here? Can we understand where the line is here? Now, they're religious as fuck, and I don't agree with it. Like, I'm not religious. I think, you know, all oh, God was watching us and all of this stuff. Like, fuck off, mate. Like, no, he wasn't. You got, you got a, you know, you had evidence on your side, right? That was it. And fucking God had nothing to do with it. God didn't step in on the two other court cases that you had that, that proved that there was discrimination or showed that there was discrimination, right? It's only the Supreme Court. So what, God only checks out the highest court in the land? Fuck off. So we have disagreements on that. We have disagreements on the fact that, <clears throat> hey, at the end of the day, fucking man up. Just make the cake. Make some money. What, are you so fucking rich that you can turn down money? Maybe. Okay, fine. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with the fact that he didn't make the cake. But I agree with his right to not make the cake. Does that make sense? But there's no way that I would be in agreement if he refused service because the man was gay. Does that make sense? Can we make some sense out of these issues, please? This is not a discrimination thing against a gay man. This is a choice to not put something on a cake because you don't want to, because you don't agree with it. And that's your right as a business owner. So I hope we're clear on that because there's obviously going to be a ton of controversy about this now and, you know, so on and so forth. And even the guy who got denied, he's like, no, this is a, you know, it's a smear against gay people. It's not. It's not. Go down the fucking road and get another cake made. I'm sure there's a ton of bakers that would be happy, happily put that logo on a cake for you. But instead, this thing's gone all the way to the Supreme Court. Okay, now we've got a decision. And I actually agree with the Supreme Court. You know, if I run a... Oh, I do run businesses, but... You know, if I ran a business like that, like a pastry business or something like that, and I didn't want to do something, I wouldn't fucking do it. It's my choice. You can go to another baker or you can have something here that we've already made or you can suggest another design. Right? That's my choice as a business owner. So that's where I fall on that argument. I think it's, um, I think I'm in agreement with the Supreme Court. Um... And I think it's, I think we have to be very careful that it doesn't slip into a discrimination thing, into a conversation about discrimination, because it's not that, I don't believe. 
And you can argue, yeah, well, if he's a hardcore Christian, then he doesn't believe in gay marriage and he doesn't believe in, you know, equal rights for gay people. So it could fundamentally be a discrimination thing. I get that. I get that. But he, the guys clearly said he didn't refuse him service. He actually fulfilled the order, but he didn't make the cake and he gave the money back. He was prepared to serve the guy who was quite clearly a homosexual. He didn't refuse him service. He refused to make him the cake that he requested. And that is completely legitimate. So, speaking of pastries and confectionaries and fucking crap food, shit that's going to poison you, how the fuck is Pret-a-Manger still open in the UK? Can somebody please answer this question for me? Two people in a month have died from eating food there because of incorrect allergy warnings or labels or contamination two people in the last month have died at Pret from eating a sandwich and a wrap if I go to a Pret right now I guarantee it's full this is what I mean about talking with your wallets to, to assure yourself that you're getting the best that you can possibly get you cannot support a company that won't even take basic measures on allergy prevention or cross-contamination. You have to leave a company like that in the dust, man. They need to go out of business because they just don't give a fuck. They have no quality assurance. They're not monitoring their staff. They're not monitoring the quality. They're not even responding credibly to the situations that have happened. We feel really bad for the girl's family. What? It's, it's insane to me that Pret is still even open. When there's so many other options out there. <clears throat> and their food is so terrible. Anyways, even without the fucking poison and the you know, misrepresentation of allergies and what the food is in each of the products. Like, it's just, it's crazy. But yet it's still open. People are like, nah, I'll fucking chance it. 185 sandwich, I'll chance it. I got to get my fucking prep meal deal. <laughs> you know? Got to go in there for my shit laced coffee. Yeah. They've also had that report in the last year or what, 18 months or something like that. That there was fecal matter found in their coffee and desserts. So those dirty bastards are not only paying, not only not paying attention to any of the allergy concerns that their consumers might have, but their employees are dirty, nasty motherfuckers that aren't washing their hands after they've gone to take a shit and then they're going to making your food with it. So go ahead and keep fucking funding this company who's killed a couple people and have shit in their food. Literally shit in their food. It's shit food. Literally shit food. Yet... Here we are, and they're still pumping. They're still doing business. Still doing business, no problem. Walk down any road in London with a Pret on it, I guarantee it's full. Shocking. And we wonder why we can't affect any change. We don't even, we lack the courage of any conviction, let alone some proper conviction around matters that actually count for something. You know, like public safety? 
Like not dying from having a sandwich or a rainbow fucking wrap? <laughs> what are we talking about here? We're living in a fucking parody world. And it's, it's just hilarious to me. It's absolutely hilarious to me. That, yeah, two people fucking died. It's crazy. It's fucking crazy. But still there, still ticking, and no sign that it's even going to affect it, which is the truly, truly sad thing. Um, and then I think, like, the other thing I kind of want to touch on is just what seems to be a growing debate for some unknown reason about about overweight people being healthy and having a positive body image. And I want to make my point abundantly clear on this issue. You cannot, I repeat, cannot be obese. And I'm not talking chunky i'm not talking thick i'm not talking you know a bit of extra padding here and there i'm talking about obese okay i'm talking about that fat cover model on the cover of cosmopolitan last month fat right i'm talking obese if you are obese you are not healthy categorically and I would go so far as to actually state that if you are obese, you are yourself not happy and do not have a positive image of your body. Because if you had a positive image of your body, you wouldn't let all the damage be done to it the way that it will be done from carrying so much extra fat and so much extra weight and so much higher cholesterol and so much higher risk of cancer and heart disease and stroke and dementia and Alzheimer's <clears throat> and all of the other things that come with obesity, which like I've spoken about before is an epidemic that is sweeping the youth across this country that nobody seems to be doing much of anything about. Yet we've got these women that come onto TV and they say, you know what? You can't tell me that I'm not positive about my body. <clears throat> you can't tell me that I'm not healthy. Well, actually, sweetheart, and that's as condescending as you can fucking get. I'm telling you right now, you can't. You absolutely can tell whether or not you're healthy. And this woman's like, well, I can work out. I do more exercise than women half my age. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because I can pick women and I train women myself who are older than that woman that would bury her in an exercise uh, competition of your liking. This woman was fat. You could tell her skin was like just horrible. She looked unhealthy. She had trouble breathing and she was just sitting down. Positive body image and good health do not couple in any way with obesity. None. And it's not, a it's not an image. It's not an image thing. It's not an image thing. But before I used to say, well, if you want to be fat and eat yourself to death, go ahead. You're fine. You're happy with that. Go ahead. I categorically think that you are not happy if you are doing your, that to yourself. Categorically, they do not link up. There is no symbiosis between obesity and health. None. It is quite the opposite. And it's the same with uh, anorexia and undereating and underweight. 
anything at the extremes is not good. And it's going to have a bad outcome in the long run. Obesity, we need to stop pushing this body positivity shit that is coupled with obesity. Be positive about your your body, 100%. Don't be a cookie cutter, for sure. All different shapes and sizes, 100%. Where the healthy parameters are in place. We know the healthy parameters. We know blood lipid levels need to be a certain way. We know the certain intake of sugar and, you know, uh, high fructose corn syrup and trans fat. We know all of this. And we know that there is a direct correlation between the ingestion of those types of foods and weight gain. We also know categorically that inactivity is linked with weight gain. We also know categorically that if the two are combined that you have a bomb waiting to go off from a health perspective. You are going to cut lives short, years off your own life if you subscribe to this. But to proselytize this on national television, to influence influential people who might be swayed by five women saying, I'm okay, I'm happy, I'm okay, I'm happy, I feel great, I look great, I am great. All of those things, I'm not calling you a liar on, except the healthy part. You're not healthy. You're not healthy. I'll do a quick test with you. Take me five minutes. Five minutes, all of any any of those women. And this goes for men as well. But the women aspect of things, you know, Cosmopolitan Magazine is a, is a super influential publication on younger women. And I think they've done a massive disservice by putting this woman on the cover and not outlining the health risks of being 300 pounds when you're five foot three. It's horrible. And she's got kids and that's implicating other people with your own bullshit and that's not fair. That's making other people suffer the consequences of your mistakes and your ignorance and that's not fair. It is real simple. It's not easy, but it's real simple. You have to burn more than you put in or you'll gain weight. And if you do that to an extreme, you're going to look like that. And all the things that come with that are this. And it's a litany of problems and no benefit, no benefit whatsoever. And you're like, well, she's on the cover of a, of a magazine. Okay. She was probably out of breath just by getting into that bathing suit. And that's terrible. And anybody that's proselytizing obesity as body positivity or that the two can be connected, I challenge you anytime, anywhere to a conversation about that because it's simply not true. And you can shout me down all you want and you can call me an asshole all you want. Call me a body shamer and a fat shamer all you want. I don't care. There is no correlation between healthy, positive body imagery and obesity, none. And you can say what you like if you're one of these people who are obese that are obese that say, well, I'm very happy with the way I look. I doubt it. I doubt it. How could you be? How could you be happy knowing that your body that you've created is stopping you from performing simple functions? Could you escape an office building by running down the stairs if the building was on fire. Better yet, 
if your child was on the 10th floor of a building, could you sprint all the way up and all the way down to rescue them? Scrap that. If your child was on the third floor, could you run all the way up and all the way down to save them from a burning building? Ask yourself a question. If a murderer or some thug with a knife was coming after you to rob you, could you outrun them? Could you save yourself from physical danger if it was staring you in the face? Or would your physical ability or lack thereof prevent you from doing that? Pretty simple criteria, I think. Do you have trouble sleeping? Do you snore a lot? Can you touch your toes? Can you sit down cross-legged and get up without using any support or your hands? These are fundamental basic tests of athleticism, of performance, of health. Can you do five push-ups? Can you do two? Can you do one pull-up? Can you do 50 jumping jacks? You know, simple stuff. Those don't correlate with obesity, folks. And it's a really sad thing that we live in a time where this is being talked about as the opposite. As obesity is health, as obesity is positive body imagery. It's like, no, motherfucker, you're going to die. You're going to die. And by you saying this on national television, any kids that are watching or parents that are dumb enough to listen to you might think that their fat kid is okay too. And that's a fucking problem. So I just wanted to bring it up because that was a little kind of like a serious point. And I just think, you know, we've got these people who are so quick to victim shame and victim and point the finger and play the victim and call other people the bullies and the oppressors and things like that when actually sometimes they're talking sense. But that's just my thoughts on it. I know how I felt when I was overweight and I wasn't even obese. I was just fat. I just had some extra fucking weight. I just drank too much. And I felt like shit. I couldn't imagine being three, four, five, six stone heavier than I was. God. Painful, man. But no. Because I decided one day to get the fuck up and do something about it. To change the way I looked. To change the way I felt. And the way I interacted with other people, man. And now the kid's looking all right. Starting to look all right. Starting to get some pebbles in the belly. Rather than just like a belly in the belly. Starting to get them pebbles, man. But it's hard work and it's consistency. <coughs> and it's easier to eat cake than it is to go and do fucking lift, lift weights. Go and do a hardcore hit workout. <clears throat> to even get your ass up off the sofa and go for a walk. It's easier to eat chips, eat cake, eat whatever the fuck you want. That's easy. Oh, I'm sad because I eat and I eat because I'm sad. Get the fuck up and do something. That's your daily reminder. That's your weekly reminder. Get the fuck up and do something. If you've made it an hour and seven minutes into this podcast, now we're going to go and say something. Go and do something. 
Get the fuck up and go and do something. Don't be lazy. Lazy people are the fucking worst. And they're a cancer. And they're toxic to be around. Lazy people suck, man. There's so much shit to be done. If you're bored, it's because you're boring. If you're bored, it's because you're fucking lazy. Because I can name 20 things to you that you can't do right now. Or at least five things out of 20 that you can't do right now that you could possibly be doing. Instead of saying, I'm bored. I got nothing to do. I can't be bothered. Stop being fucking lazy. You get like 75 years, 80 years, 90 years at the most. If you're lucky in this day and age. What are you going to do with your clock? You're just going to sit there, stare at it, let it tick away? Or do everything that you can to make sure it seems like it's barely even moving? That's up to you guys. But for me, I'm out. I'm going to go enjoy this sunshine because for some reason, it's almost the middle of October and it feels like June. So I'm going to go and I'm going to enjoy my dogs because I've already done a workout and I'm feeling great and I'm feeling fucking spectacular. So I got all my work done today, which was a nightmare. But I'm, now I'm going to go live a bit of my own existence with my dogs and enjoy the rest of the day. So have a good evening, guys. I'm going to go eat some dinner. And I'm going to go play with my dogs for a bit. But I love you and I appreciate you. And I'm glad you listened. And uh, sorry for being a bit preachy up here. But it's how we do, man. I got to get my thoughts out. I got to get my feelings and, and everything off my chest. And we're coming back again because I got more to say. As always, I got more to say. But for now, that's, uh, that's going to be a wrap, man. I want to go enjoy this sunshine. So... Uh, I'll see you guys next time. It's uh, it's Wednesday evening now, so I've managed to get one of these out after uh, after my day uh, has kind of wrapped up uh, a little bit later than usual. But um, I don't know if I'm going to get another one. I'd like to get another one out to you guys this week because I got some shit that I want to talk about and uh, and some specific subjects that uh, that I want to hit. But I don't know if I'm going to get time. So if not, I'll be back next week. And if uh, and if I can get back on the mic this week, I'm going to do that for sure. So um, stay tuned, guys. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Quiet Part Loud on both of those. Um, you can download it on SoundCloud. You can download it on uh, iTunes. Subscribe to the channel, Quiet Part Loud, there as well. You'll know it because there's a coffee mug on the logo. Um we're on TuneIn. You can listen there. We're on Stitcher as well, so you can listen there. So get us where you can, guys. Uh, but every time you do listen, know that we're uh, we're appreciating it um, because you're part of this growth, and, we're, and we we are continuing to grow. So we just gotta you know keep on the right track. So there we go. That's it. We're done. Now I'm just talking shit for the sake of talking. So let's wrap this bitch up. I'll see you guys next week or later on this week if I can get back on the mic. But I'm your host as always, Daryl. This is The Quiet Part Loud, episode 54. And uh, till next time, guys, all the best.